0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Maria Tafidis. Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. Chapter 18. The twelve years, continued Mrs. Dean, following the dismal period, were the happiest of my life. My greatest troubles in their passage rose from a little lady's trifling illnesses, which she had to experience in common with old children, rich and poor. For the rest, after the first six months, she grew like a larch, and could walk and talk to, in her own way, before the heat blossomed a second time over Mrs. Linton's dust. She was the most winning thing that ever brought sunshine into a desolate house, a real beauty in face, with the urn show's handsome dark eyes, but the Linton's fair skin and small features, and yellow curling hair. Her spirit was high, though not rough, and qualified by a heart sensitive and lively to excess in its affections. That capacity for intense attachments reminded me of a mother. Still she did not resemble her, for she could be soft and mild as a dove, and she had a gentle voice and pensive expression. Her anger was never furious, her love never fierce; it was deep and tender. However, it must be acknowledged she had faults to foil her gift-a propensity to be sociable was one, and a perverse will that indulged children invariably acquire whether they be good tempered or cross. If a servant chose to vex her, it was always, I shall tell papa, and if you reproved her, even by a look, You would have thought it a heart-breaking business. I don't believe he ever did speak a harsh word to her. He took her education entirely on himself and made it an amusement. Fortunately, curiosity and a quick intellect made her an apt scholar. She learned rapidly and eagerly, and did honour to his teaching. Till she reached the age of thirteen she had not once been beyond the range of the park by herself. Mr. Linton would take her with him as or so outside on rare occasions, but he trusted her to no one else. Gimmerton was an unsubstantial name in her years, the chapel, the only building she had approached or entered except her own home. Wuthering Heights and Mr. Heathcliff did not exist for her. She was a perfect recluse, and, apparently, "'perfectly contented. "'Sometimes, indeed, while surveying the country "'from her nursery window, she would observe. "'Ellen, how long will it be "'before I can walk to the top of those hills? "'I wonder what lies on the other side. "'Is it the sea?' "'No, Miss Cathy,' I would answer. "'It is hills again, just like these.' "'And what are those golden rocks like "'when you stand under them?' she once asked. The abrupt descent of penistone crags particularly attracted her notice, especially when the setting sun shone on it and the topmost heights, and the whole extent of landscape besides lay in shadow. I explained that they were bare masses of stone with hardly enough earth in their clefts to nourish a stunted tree. And why are they bright so long after it is evening here? pursued because they are a great deal higher up than we are replied I you could not climb them, they are too high and steep in winter the frost is always there before it comes to us and deep into summer I have found snow under that black hollow on the northeast side I oh, have been on them she cried gleefully "Then I can go to you when I am a woman has papa been Ellen? papa would tell you miss answered hastily that they are not worth the trouble of visiting. The moors where you ramble with him are much nicer, and Thrust Cross Park is the finest place in the world. But I know the park, and I don't know those, she murmured herself, and I should delight to look round me from the broad tallest Point. My little pony Minnie shall take me some time. One of the maids mentioning the fairy cave quite turned her head with a desire to fulfill this project. She teased Mr. Linton about it, and he promised she should have the journey when she got older. But Miss Catherine measured her age by months, and now I am old enough to go to Penison Crags. "'with a constant question in her mouth. The road thither won't close by wandering heights. Edgar had another hard to pass it. Oh, she received as constantly the answer, not yet, love, not yet. I said Mrs. Heathcliff lived above a dozen years after quitting her husband. Her family were of a delicate constitution. She and Edgar both lacked the ready health that you will generally meet in these parts. What her last illness was, I am not certain. I conjecture that died of the same thing—a kind of fever, slow in its commencement but incurable and rapidly consuming life towards the close. She wrote to inform her brother of the probable conclusion of a four months' indisposition under which she had suffered, and entreated him to come to her if possible. But she had much to settle, and she wished to bid him adieu and deliver linton safely into his hands a hope was that linton might be left with him as he had been with her his father she would fain convince herself had no desire to assume the burden of his maintenance or education My master hesitated not a moment in complying with her request, reluctant as he was to leave home at ordinary cause. He flew to answer this, commanding Catherine to my peculiar vigilance. In his absence, with reiterated orders that she must not wander out of the park, even under my escort, he did not calculate on her going unaccompanied. He was away three weeks. The first day or two, my charge sat in a corner of the library, too sad for either reading or playing. In that quiet state she caused me little trouble, but it was succeeded by an interval of impatient, fretful weariness. And being too busy, and too old, and to run up and down amusing her, I hit on a method by which she might entertain herself. I used to send her on her travels round the grounds, now on foot, now on a pony, indulging her with a patient audience of all her real and imaginary adventures when she returned. The summer shone in full prime, and she took such a taste for this solitary rambling, that she often contrived to remain out from breakfast till tea, and then the evenings were spent in recounting her fanciful tales. I did not fear her breaking bounds, because the gates were generally locked, and I thought she would scarcely venture forth alone if they had stood wide open. Unluckily, my confidence proved misplaced. Catherine came to me one morning at eight o'clock. And said she was then a rabid merchant going to cross the desert with his caravan, that I must give her plenty of provision for herself and beasts, a horse and three camels personated by a large hound and a couple of pointers. I got together a good store of dainties and slung them in a basket on one side of the saddle. And she sprang up as gay as a fairy, sheltered by her white brimmed hat and gay veil from the July sun, and told off with a merry laugh, mocking my cautious counsel to avoid galloping and come back early. The noted thing never made her appearance at tea when traveller or the hound being an old dog in front of its ease, returned, but neither cathy nor the pony nor the two pointers were visible in any direction. I dispatched emissaries down this path and that path, and at last, when one ring in search of myself, there was a labour working at a fence round a plantation at the borders of the grounds, and I inquired of him if he had seen our young lady. I saw her at the morn, he replied, she would have me to cut a razor switch, and then slapped her a galloway over the hedge yonder where it's slowest and galloped out of sight. You may guess how I felt at hearing this news. It struck me directly she must have started for Penistone. Crad's, What shall become of her? "'I ejaculated, pushing through a gap which the man was repairing and making straight to the high road. I walked, as if a rage mile after mile, till a turn brought me in view of the heights. But no Catherine could I detect far or near. The crags lie about a mile and a half beyond Mr Heathcliff's place, and that is far from the grange, so I began to fear night would fall ere I could reach them. And what if she should have slipped in clambering among them and reflected and been killed or broken some of her bones? My suspense was true and painful. And at first it gave me delightful relief to observe, in hurrying by the farmhouse, Charlie, the fiercest of the party, lying on her window, with swell head and bleeding ear. I opened the wicket and ran to the door, knocking vehemently for admittance. A woman whom I knew, and who formerly lived at Gibberton, answered, She had been servant there since the death of mr Earnshaw. Ah, said she, you are come seeking your little mistress. Don't be frightened, she is here safe, but I am glad it isn't master. He is not at home then, is he? I pounded quite breathless with quick walking in the lab. No, she replied, both he and Joseph are off, and I think they won't return this hour or more. Step in and rest you a bit. I entered and beheld my stray lamb sitting on the hearth, rocking herself in a little chair that had been her mother's when a child. Her hat was hung against the wall, and she seemed perfectly at home, laughing and chattering in the best spirits imaginable, to Herton, now a great strong lad of eighteen, who stared at her with considerable curiosity and astonishment comprehending preciously on the fluent succession of remarks and questions which her tongue never ceased pouring forth. "'Very well, miss!' I exclaimed, concealing my joy and an angry countenance. "'This is your last try, till Papa comes back. "'I'll not trust you with a special again, you naughty naughty girl!' "'Ah-ha!' <laughs> Helen, she cried, gaily, jumping up and running to my son. "'I shall have a pretty story till tonight, and so you are funny. out. "'Have you ever been here in your life before?' Put that hat on and home at once, lad. I'm dreadfully grieved at you, Miss Cathy. You've done extremely wrong. It's no use pouting and crying, that one will pay the trouble of hearts scouring the country after you. To think how mister Linton charged me to keep you in, and you still enough so. It shows you are a cunning little fox and nobody will put faith in you any more. What have you done? sobbed she instantly checked. Papa charged me nothing. He'll not scold me, Ellen. He's never cross like you. "'Come, come,' I repeated. "'I'll tie the ribbons. "'Now, let's have no petulance.' "'Oh, for shame! "'You're thirteen years old, and such a baby!' "'This exclamation was caused by her pushing the hat from my head "'and retreating to the chimney out of my reach. "'Nay,' said the servant. "'Don't be hard on the bunny, last, Mrs. Dean. "'We may not stop. "'She'd fain have ridden for it. "'I feared you should be uneasy. "'Herton offered to go with her, "'and I thought he should. "'It's a wild road by the hills.' Hareton, during the discussion, "'stood with his hands in his pockets "'too awkward to speak, "'though he looked as if he didn't relish my intrusion.' "'How long am I to wait?' I continued, regarding the woman's interference. "'It will be dark in ten minutes. Where is the pony, Miss Cathy? And where is Phoenix? "'I shall leave you, unless you be quick, so please yourself.' "'The pony is in the yard,' she replied, "'and Phoenix is in there. He's beaten, "'and so is Charlie. I was going to tell you all about it, but you are in bad temper "'don't deserve to hear.' I picked up her hat and approached to reinstate it, but perceiving that the people of the house took her part... She commenced, capering round the room, and, on a giving chase, ran like a mouse over another, and behind the furniture ran, which it was ridiculous for me to pursue. Herton and the woman laughed, and she joined them and walked more impertinent still, till I cried in great irritation. "'Well, Miss Cat, if you were aware whose house this is, it would be glad enough to get out!' "'It's your father's, isn't it?' said she, turning to Herton. "'Nay,' replied, looking down and blushing bashfully. He could not stand a steady gaze from her eyes, though they were just his own. Who's then? Your master's? she asked. He colored deeper, with a different feeling, muttered an oath, and turned away. Who is his master? continued the Tysman girl, appealing to me. He told him at our house and our folk. I thought he had been the honest son, and he never said Miss. He should have done, shouldn't he have his servant? Ayrton grew black as a thunder cloud at his childish speech. I suddenly shook my question and last succeeded in equipping her for departure. Now get my horse, she said, addressing her new kinsman as she would one of the stable boys at the cranch, and you may come with me. I want to see where the goblin hunter rises in the marsh, and to hear about the ferishes, as you call them, but make haste. what the matter? Get my horse, a say. i will see the jamb before I be thy servant, growled the lad. You'll see me what? Asked Catherine in surprise. "'Damn, that saucy witch!' he replied. "'There, Miss Cathy, you have got into pretty company,' interposed. "'Nice words to be used to, a young lady. "'Pray don't begin to dispute with him. "'Come, let us seek for me ourselves and be gone. "'But... "'Ellen,' cried she, staring fixed in astonishment, "'how dare you speak so to me. "'It wasn't to be made to do as I asked him. "'You yo, wicked creature, I shall tell Papa what you said. "'Now, then!' That did not appear to feel these threats, so the tears sprang into her eyes with indignation. You bring the pony, she exclaimed, turning to the woman, and let my dog free this moment, softly miss answered she addressed. you lose nothing by being civil, though Mr. Heton there be not the master's son, he's your cousin, and was never hired to serve you. He, my cousin, cried Cathy with a scornful laugh. Yes, indeed, responded her approval. Oh, Ellen, don't let them say such things, pursued in red trouble. Papa is going to fetch my cousin from London. My cousin is a gentleman's son. That my-she stopped and wept outright, upset at the bare notion of relationship with such a clown. Hush, hush, I whispered. People can have many cousins and of all sorts, Miss Cathy, without being any of the worse for it. Only they needn't keep their company, they be disagreeable and bad. <laughs> isn't that-isn't that my cousin, Ellen? She went and gathered fresh grief from reflection, and fling herself into my arms for a refuge from the idea. I was much vexed at her and the servant for their mutual revelations, having no doubt of Linton's approaching rival, communicated by the former, being reported to Mr. Heathley, and feeling as confident that Catherine's first thought on her father's return would be to seek an explanation of the latter's assertion concerning her rude-bred kindred. Hilton, recovering from his disgust at being taken for a servant, seen moved by her distress, and having fetched the pony round to the door, he took to propitiate her a fine crook legged terrier whelped from the kennel, and putting it into her hand, bit a whist for immense note. Posing in her lamentations, she surveyed him with a glance of awe and horror, then burst forth anew. I could scarcely refrain from smiling at his antipathy to the poor fellow, who was a well made, 3 youth, good looking in features, and stout and healthy but attired in garments befitting his daily occupations of working on the farm and lounging among moose after rabbit and game. Still I thought I could detect his physiognomy a mind owning better qualities than his father ever possessed. Good things lost me the wilderness of weeds, to be sure, whose rank is far over top of the neglected growth, and yet notwithstanding evidence of a wealthy soil, that might yield luxuriant crops under other unfavourable circumstances. mister Heathcliff, I believe, had not treated him physically ill, Thanks to his fearless nature which offered no temptation to that curse of oppression he had none of the timid susceptibility that would have given zest to ill-treatment in heathcliff's judgment he appeared to have been his malevolence on making him a brute he was never taught to read or write never rebuked for any bad habits that annoy his keeper never led a single step towards virtue or guided by a single precept against vice and from what i heard Joseph contributed much to his deterioration, by a narrow minded partiality which prompted him to flatter and pet him as a boy because he was the head of the old family; and as he had been in the habit of accusing Catherine Earnshaw and Heathcliff when children of putting the master past his patience, and compelling him to seek solace in drink by what he termed their awful ways, so at present he laid the whole burden of Harrison's faults on the shoulders of his usurper of his papa. If the lad swore, he wouldn't correct him, nor however culpably he behaved. It gave Joseph satisfaction apparently to watch him go the worst length. He allowed that the lad was ruined, that his soul was abandoned to perdition, but then he reflected that Heathcliff must answer for it. Haton's blood would be recried at his hands, and there lay immense consolation in that thought. Joseph had instilled into him a pride of name, and of his lineage. He would, had he dared, have fostered hate between him and the present owner of the heights, but his dread of an owner mounted to superstition and he confined his feelings regarding him to modern new and private combinations. Now I don't pretend to be intimately acquainted with the mode of living customer in those days at Wuthering Heights. They only speak from hearsay, for I saw little. The village of the firm, Mr. Hinkley was near, and a cruel-haired landlord to his tenants. But the house inside had regained its ancient aspect of comfort and of female management, and the scenes of right coming in this time were not now enacted within its walls. The master was too gloomy to seek companionship with any people, good or bad, and he is yet, this, however, is not making progress with my story. Miss Cathy rejected the peace-offering of the terrier, and demanded her own dogs, Charlie and Phoenix. They came limping and hanging their heads, and we set out for home, Sally out of sorts every one of us. I couldn't ring from my little lady how she had spent the day, except that, as I suppose, the goal of her pilgrimage was Peniston cranks, and she arrived without adventure to the gate of the farmhouse, when her happened to issue forth, attended by some canine followers who attacked her train. They had a smart battle before their owners could separate them, that formed the introduction. Catherine told Hurton who she was and where she was going, and asked him to show her the way, finally beguiling him to accompany her. He opened the mysteries of the fairy cave and twenty other queer places, but being in disgrace was not favoured with the description of the interesting objects he saw. I could gather, however, that her guide had been favoured till she hurt his feelings by addressing him as a servant, and Heathcliff's housekeeper hurt hers by calling him her cousin, though the language he had held to her rankled in her heart she who was always love and darling and queen and angel with everybody at the grange to be insulted so shockingly at a stranger i did not comprehend it and how broker had to obtain a promise that she would not lay the grievance before her father i explained how he objected to the whole household at the heights and how sorry he would be to find she had been there but i insisted most on the fact that she revealed my negligence of his orders he would perhaps be so angry that i should have to leave, and Cathy couldn't bear that prospect she pledged her word and kept it for my sake After all, she was a sweet little girl. End of chapter 18